Hello, and welcome to Mars Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. The podcast where we talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tonight, we'll be going through Are You Afraid of the Dark? Season 2, Episode 2, The Tale of Midnight Madness. So sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. Hello listeners, and welcome to the second episode of the second season of the podcast. Can you believe it? We've made it all the way to season two. I can't. Hi listeners. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the season two episode, The Tale of Midnight Madness. Tonight's tale is brought to us by Frank. Frank is our resident bad boy, and he's from the other side of the tracks in Toronto, Canada. The Tale of Midnight Madness first aired on June 26th of 1993. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. We see that Betty Ann and Gary are the first ones to arrive at the campsite, followed by Kristen and an impatient Kiki. Betty Ann and Gary seem to be having a conversation, but it is not audible, so we don't know what they're actually talking about. Possibly Betty Ann is making waves to tell him about her friend Sam, who would roll heads the next season as one of two new members of the Midnight Society. She would have to fend off Frank and Gary because they both find her attractive and want to date her. But I'm not going to spoil the ending of that love triangle right now because that has nothing to do with the episode. So as I mentioned previously, the title of this episode is The Tale of Midnight Madness. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, what is Midnight Madness? Well, back in the 90s and in the mid to late 2000s, theaters used to run these promotions to show B-movies, specifically B-horror movies, at midnight. Um, A very good example of this marketing ploy is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This movie is somewhat horror, but it's also sci-fi, and it creates a lot of audience interaction, and a lot of the audience members dress up as the characters, so some people come dressed up as Dr. Frankenfurter, others as Eddie, Magenta, and the other characters. And so you might be thinking to yourself right now, well, how is a Midnight Madness different than a Midnight premiere for a movie? And the big difference is, is that I had mentioned audience participation and audience members dressing up as the characters. And by audience participation in the Rocky Horror Picture Show's case is people actually pretend they're in the movie and they interact with the characters by talking back at the dialogue, answering the questions, quoting the dialogue. And for example, in the wedding scene, people actually throw rice and when they say toast, they hold up a piece of toast. However, that is not the case with this tale. This tale is about a B-horror movie that is being shown at midnight to try and save the Rialto, which is an old-timey theater that doesn't get a lot of patrons that's scheduled to close. And since it's a Frank story, you know we're going to have a special appearance by everybody's favorite doctor, Dr. Vink, with a va-va-va, who's totally not an big, but has decided, you know, he wanted to switch careers from being a natural scientist to being a movie director now. So let's continue on with setting the scene for this tale. So just to recap, Gary and Betty Ann are at the campsite, and Kiki and Kristen come in. 
Kiki wants to get the meeting started right away as she and David have movie passes to Fright Night, which is at the Majestic, which sounds like a bowling alley, but it's a theater. And surprise, surprise, Fright Night takes place at midnight and Frank walks in and it's his turn to tell the story and he says he's not going back. Betty Ann asks them why not, to which Kiki says, because Frank is afraid of the dark. Now, you might be wondering, is this true? And we'll find out later in season three, this is definitely the case. Frank is afraid of the dark. So in the title, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Frank would be like, yes, I am. But he has a good reason to be afraid. The Midnight Society all laugh and they take, you know, they kind of make fun of Frank. And Frank sits down and says, he is not going back because you can sit in a movie theater for so long that you start to forget that the real world exists. And the only thing that seems real is the horror movie up on the screen. While Frank is saying this, Kiki and David both look at each other as if they are having second thoughts. This was all a really good build-up to his introduction to his story. Frank sits down in the storyteller's chair, grabs the bag of midnight dust, takes a handful, throws it into the fire, and says, Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of Midnight Madness. As I mentioned previously, certain storytellers have certain characters that tend to be recurring in their stories. For example, Gary has Sarto, and Frank has Dr. Vink. And since this is a Frank story, this story also has Dr. Vink. And he is totally not a nutbag, but most likely suffering from some kind of mental illness. But maybe he's also an alcoholic because he seems very friendly. He's just kind of kooky and odd. I made a note in the blog post for this episode that I was taking naturally applied calculus and I concluded that means that I must be probably just as qualified to be a natural scientist as Dr. Vink is. So maybe I should make movies now. Probably not, but you know what? I could give it a try in the future. Our tale begins at the Rialto, an old-time theater that is struggling to stay open. And that was pre-pandemic and pre-2020 times, so you know it must have been bad. We are introduced to our main characters, Pete and Katie. Pete loves Katie, but won't admit it. Katie tells Pete that she had applied for a job at the multiplex downtown because of money. She needs more money and the Rialto just is not giving her enough hours. Pete asks Katie out and she turns him down. Pete, not wanting to lose his job or his eye candy, goes to see if the theater can get a landmark status as in, it's been around for such a long time, they can't tear it down, and hands out flyers to help his cause. The next day, our favorite doctor, Dr. Vink, with a va-va-va shows up at the Rialto, claiming to be able to save the theater. He loves the smell of stale popcorn and broken dreams. Dr. Vink also likes velvet curtains. Then Mr. Kristoff, the manager of the Rialto, comes in, and I think he is drunk, Dr. Vink has come to save the theater, and he offers them his movie. He offers them the movie for free, and says the only thing he wants in return is when the Rialto starts making profits, and they start gaining an audience for him to be able to show the rest of his films. Kristoff kind of blows him off, and it's just like, I don't think that's going to happen, but Dr. Vink guarantees it'll happen. 
and he's Dr. Fink, so you know something shady is probably going on. Pete, not wanting to let this chance go away, takes the movie from Dr. Vink and puts it up in the uh, projector room. It turns out the movie Dr. Vink was offering to the Rialto was the black and white silent film. Um, they didn't actually give it a title, I don't think, in the movie, in this episode, but it's Nos Nosferatu. It's definitely Nosferatu. It's a vampire movie, and it the vampire looks just like Nosferatu. Also, on a side note, if you've never seen the actual film Nosferatu, I'm pretty sure it's still on Netflix. It's It has its moments. It's an interesting horror movie, so I would recommend watching it after, of course, watching The Tale of Midnight Madness, because I think you would appreciate the movie more, just because of the story from this episode um, coinciding with the story of Nosferatu and how the endings are very similar in what the protagonist has to do. Getting back to the story, just before Pete takes the film from Dr. Vink, Vink says, Show my film in your theater, and people will flock to see it. Your fortunes will turn, and you'll make far more than six dollars a night. Mr. Kristoff isn't buying it, but Vink continues, As for payment, I don't want money. All I ask is that once success is assured, you give me one night a week to show my other films. Mr. Kristoff replies, If this movie can do what you say, I'll give you three nights a week plus a cut of the concessions. Vink says, I don't want your popcorn money. They shake on the deal, and Mr. Kristoff tells Pete and Katie to throw the film out. But Pete doesn't because he's a respectable youth, and he puts it in the projector room, like I had mentioned earlier. So as all of this is going on, and the audience continues to dwindle each day, Pete continues his mission to save the Rialto. Then on one faithful night, the show, or the movie that the Rialto was showing, cuts out mid-scene, and Pete is forced to put on a new movie. So Pete throws on Dr. Vink's movie. Katie tells the patrons that if they do not like it, they will get refunds. It works, and they have it, and everyone walks out of the movie very happy talking about the odd vampire movie. This continues for weeks on end, and the Rialto is finally getting the audience it deserves. Pete and Katie hug, and Pete gets so excited he wants to hug her again. Now, since this was still early Are You Afraid of the Dark, at this point in the story, we are taken back to the Midnight Society, where Gary is munching on some popcorn. Frank says that the movie was so popular that they started a Midnight Madness showing of the movie. Also, good on them for starting up with the snack rotation again. The way Gary is munching down on the popcorn just reaffirms to me how hungry they get at these meetings. Frank also mentions that the owners decided to sell, just as Dr. Vink predicted. And with that tidbit of information, we're taken back to the story. We are now back at the Rialto, where they are showing the film to a packed house. Dr. Vink returns, and Kristoff offers to write Dr. Vink a check, but he doesn't want money. He only wants to show his other films. Dr. Vink laughs like a maniac and tells them that this story is only just the beginning. That's pretty exciting if you ask me. I would ask some follow-up questions, but I am not a character in the story, so I'm not allowed to. Pete developed a very odd fascination with the movie, and he watches it every chance he gets so he can study the film to see why it's so popular. And then one night, Nosferatu just decided to step out of the movie and into real life. Pete thinks he is dreaming, but he is not dreaming. Pete confesses his feelings to Katie, and she to him. Now they love each other. 
just as they are saving the Rialto, it is the love story of the century. They were about to make out when Kristoff screams, and they see two bite marks of a vampire on his neck. They think Dr. Vink is at the front door, but it is not. It is Nosferatu. Pete and Katie run into the theater where he comes up with a plan to get into the movie and kill Nosferatu. Nosferatu goes after Katie until he sees Pete up on the screen and makes his way back to the movie. I say makes his way back, but it's more like he's kind of floating down the aisle. It's actually kind of a cool shot. Pete drags the coffin and Nosferatu suddenly appears. Katie says she will stop the film, but Pete stops her because if, he's tr if she stops the film, he will be trapped in it forever. Pete then uh, opens the curtains and Nosferatu dies from the sunlight. Pete steps out of the movie and Katie and Pete embrace, after which Kristoff comes back from being bitten and they are interrupted by Dr. Vink, who has just bought this theater so he can show all his films every night. He says he has many, many more that are far better than this one, and then laughs maniacally again. Frank says the end, and then asks, so who's going to Fright Night? Kiki says it's getting late, and David agrees. David says, I'm kind of tired. On her way out, Kiki says to Frank, here, you can have my tickets. Gary says to Frank, I, uh, thought you weren't going to Fright Night, to which Frank says, you're kidding. It's just a movie, and I got two free passes. Then Gary invites himself to tag along, and the credits roll, and we're all happy because Frank told an awesome story. Now in this part of the podcast, because the story has ended, I would normally tell you about my thoughts, but I thought in this case, I would talk a little bit more about Are You Afraid of the Dark in general as the series. So as some of you may know, Are You Afraid of the Dark got a reboot in 2019. That reboot got picked up for a second season. Now they're calling it Are You Afraid of the Dark because it does have a midnight society. However, these episodes are more like mini-series. At least the one from 2019 was more of a mini-series. And it's done way more in the style of the tale of the Silver Sight because while one member of the Midnight Society is telling a story, it's actually all playing out in the same timeline as the Midnight Society. So um, it's slightly different, but it's also really good. I was quite surprised by the 2019 version. The 2019 version of Are You Afraid of the Dark took place in Oregon, and it was really nice to see how the members of that Midnight Society got inducted and got recruited. It all took place through letters that were being secretly hidden in a high school where they would ask a potential member various questions and based on their answers, they would get an invitation to meet the group at midnight. And the only thing they had to go off of to meet them was a series of coordinates into the woods. Um, the reason I bring this up now is because as of last night on February 11th at 8 o'clock, Nickelodeon started airing the 2021 version of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which um, is also so far pretty good. I have a feeling that the current incarnation of Are You Afraid of the Dark was supposed to come out last year, but due to the pandemic, they couldn't complete filming because of social distancing and everything. So it is now currently airing on Nickelodeon. 
it runs around the same lines as the 2019 version, except for we have a completely different Midnight Society in this one. And there isn't like, say, a story other than um, a legend of the Shadow People who kidnap people that go into the woods after dark. In fact, the official title of this series of Are You Afraid of the Dark is called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse of the Shadows. Now, as a fan of the original series, I loved all the little Easter eggs that were throughout the episode. Well, the first episode, because I think it's going to end up being three. It opens with a shot of Sardo's Magic Mansion. And I was already just kind of like, wow, so Sardo's Magic Mansion isn't just in a story verse, it's in what our universe would be in if we were wherever the Midnight Society took place. And the Easter eggs for the series didn't even stop there. Uh, the next scene was the um, two guys from the Midnight Society at, a, at their high school, and one opens their locker and there's a marionette of the Ghastly Grinner, and the other one runs up with a comic book of the Ghastly Grinner. And I kid you not, it looked just like the comic book from the episode, The Tale of the Ghastly Grinner. Later on, the members all go to Sardo's Magic Mansion, where they are introduced to Sardo's um, eccentric grandson, because he even mentions Sardo being his grandfather, and he talks very much in the same... Um, ways and mannerisms as the original Sardo Richard Dumont did. When they walk in, one of the running jokes is um, people walking into the Magic Mansion and being like, oh, I'm here to see Mr. Sardo. And Sardo's saying, no, Mr. Accent on the dough. And he does just that. And it was just incredible to see that transformation from being a character in the tale of the super specs to being a character in the real timeline of the current Midnight Society. I was just blown away by how all that carried out. And as a longtime fan of the series, I really appreciated it. And then in the Magic Mansion, there some of the Midnight Society members are picking up props that are in there. And one of them happens to be the Super Specs from the Tale of the Super Specs. And I really liked that. Like, just the visuals and everything of the show have vastly improved from the 90s. And I think that if you are a fan of the series, this would be a good gateway to get your kids into it if you have kids. Although I should warn you, it is a lot scarier than it was when I was growing up. In fact, Nickelodeon thought the series reboot was scary enough to put a per not a parental warning, but just a general warning saying that this show may be scarier for younger viewers. So with that being said, I thought this would be a good time for me to read the small bios that Nickelodeon posted on their Twitter page for the new Midnight Society. So let's do that. So the first character we see from the Midnight Society, although we don't know he's part of the society yet, is Connor. And his quote says, I know you're out there. I'm not afraid of you. The second character is Luke. Luke is Connor's best friend. And his quote is, if Connor was rarely taken by this shadow man, then I'm going to find him. Our next member is Gabby, and her quote is, I'm fighting for my future. And then we have Jay, and I would say Jay's character is very close to that of Frank, but slightly different. Just only slightly. Jay's quote is, boom, how do you like the shield now? And then we have Hannah. Hannah is an environmentalist, and I would say her personality is closer to Betty Ann's from the original series than anyone else. Hannah's quote is, We're trying to break an evil curse that's threatening our lives, Mom. So obviously she's talking to her mom in that quote. 
And then we have Hannah's brother, Seth. Seth's quote is, a magician never reveals his secrets. Also, all of these small biographies on Nickelodeon's Twitter feed are done in the style of a playing card. And they each have, I guess you could say, a role they're playing. So Connor's is the sword. Luke's is the dagger. And Gabby is the brave. Jay is the shield. Han is the fighter. And Seth is, of course, the magician. Because if it wasn't for Seth, they wouldn't be able to get into Sardo's magic mansion. So that's all I'm going to talk about with the new incarnation of Are You Afraid of the Dark that is currently airing. Um, it's airing multiple times this weekend, so I really encourage anybody who wants to see it to see it because it is very good. And also check out Nickelodeon's Twitter feed for those short bios slash player cards that they had put up because the pictures are very phenomenal in my opinion. They're very good. Now of course once this episode is over, or not episode, but once this story arc and miniseries is over, I will probably do a special podcast just for the 2021 version and I may even throw in a podcast before that for the version that aired in 2019 because I do own that. And now it's time for Morris Thoughts. Even though they have numbers, they aren't in, in a particular order. It was just when I wrote the blog for aesthetic purposes I gave them numbers. So my number one thought at that time was I like the concept of the story. You know, how the vampire came out of the film and into real life and the people in the story had to fight the vampire and basically create the end of the movie again, but in their time period. I thought that was brilliant. My second thought is that Dr. Vink has had many professions. I bet he isn't a board certified doctor, or maybe he has many complaints against him, and that is why he went from being a natural scientist to a filmmaker, to a chef, to a barber. My third thought, I do wonder about the whole the Gary and Betty Ann thing. I feel they would have made a better couple, or at least in the first two seasons. I wish we got to see a background story with the two of them. My fourth thought, this also shows that Kiki and David are friends and hang out outside of meetings, even though Kiki kind of makes fun of David. I wonder how they won tickets. Was it a radio contest, or did Kiki win them at school? I wish they would have shown that as well. Thought number five, and this is my final thought. I wish we got to see the stuff that happens before the meeting. For example, an episode that starts at school or the day before a meeting where we see them interact with one another in a different setting. That would be cool. And that kind of happened in the Tale of Super Specs, which opened in Gary's father's magic shop. And Gary was showing Kristen the Super Specs and telling her about the dust of Denderon, which looked kind of like dandruff. But we won't go there because that is not this episode. Anyway, listeners, Thank you for joining me for the summary of my future ex-boyfriend Frank's story, The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Up next is a tale from our resident cosplayer, Kristen. That's right, the next episode is The Tale of Locker 22, which also happens to be not my lucky number. My lucky number is 13. Until next time, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I called this story... The Tale of More is Afraid of the Dark, but Not Really the Podcast, Episode 2 of Season 2. Listeners, I bet you thought I forgot that I normally give you a fun fact for each episode. Well, I didn't. 
So here's the fun fact for this episode. The actor who played Nosferatu in this episode, Christopher Heyendahl, would return in the fourth episode of season two in The Tale of the Thirteenth Floor as Leonoid, one of three aliens who comes back to Earth to grab the child they accidentally left ten years prior. It's a Betty Ann episode, so you know it's full of morals. So until next time, listeners, you can keep track of me on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter as Mora underscore 32984. And as always, you can feel free to stop by the blog. That is now apparently the supplemental material for this podcast. So until next time, listeners, I hope you have a good weekend and stay safe. Remember to wash your hands and wear a mask and social distance. Good night. still there? I have a bonus fact for you. The actor who played Kristoff in The Tale of Midnight Madness will come back in the first reboot of the series in The Tale of Wisdom Class. And that, listeners, was a bonus fact just for people who stay through to the credits. And now, for your listening pleasure, the rest of the ending credits.